Well, it's so good to be with you today, January 2nd, 2022. Just take a minute and let that sink in for a second. We are ready to embark upon a whole new year, a whole new set of opportunities, a whole new reboot, even if necessary. Let's just look back a little bit. If we think about, for those of you that are old enough to remember, 22 years ago today, there was a huge celebration because we all thought the world as we know it was going to end. Y2K. Because of clocks and computers and everything else, there was a big assumption that on January 1st, everything was going to quit working. You wouldn't, your clocks wouldn't keep time, your computers wouldn't work, your cars may not work because of the electronics in them and everything else. And you know what? We survived just fine. So as we look forward to January and the whole year of 2022, I hope that we can start with an optimism and an excitement and a bit of a challenge. So for many of us, that first part of a new year comes with resolutions, with new ideas, new promises, uh, new excitement about the things that we want to do better, maybe the things that we want to not do anymore at all, maybe just the things that we want to change a little bit. For some of us, those changes and those resolutions are self-imposed because we just want to better ourselves. We want to lose a little weight. We want to get in shape a little bit better. We want to eat better. Whatever is on your list of things, um, some of you may not have made your list by yourself. Some of you may have been very just delicately urged by a spouse or a friend. It would be good if maybe you changed this for next year, or if you, maybe if you lost 10 pounds for that. You know, maybe your pants would fit better. Whether you were self-imposed or whether it was imposed upon you or suggested, I want to encourage all of us to just make it a little more simple this year. I'm here to relieve the pressure, if there is some, of everything that lays ahead of you for 2022. What if we could keep it to one job? What if we just said together that in 2022, we're going to do one job, and we're going to try to do it well, and we're going to see how that affects our lives? Let's keep it simple. Well, I think Jesus helps us in the book of Matthew. See, the Pharisees and the Sadducees were the religious leaders, the Jewish leaders, and they had been trying to complicate this whole new vision that Jesus was coming with, this whole new gospel and way of life. And they're trying to make it so complicated and just confusing. And, and Jesus, they, they come to him and they try to trap him in questions and he, he just always narrows it down to let's just keep it simple. So in Matthew chapter 22, he's just met with the Sadducees and they failed because he just basically shot them down. So now the, the Pharisees are also trying to meet with him. And this is where our passage picks up. And it's in Matthew 22, 34 to 40. Please join me as we read God's word. Hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees got together. One of them, an expert in the law, tested him with this question. Teacher, which is, the greatest, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, and with all of your soul, and with all of your mind. This is the first and the greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. 
all the law of the prophets hang on these two commandments. They tried to make it complicated. They tried to make it confusing. Jesus made it really simple. We have one job. Our job is to love God with all of our heart, with all of our soul, and with all of our mind, and to love our neighbors as ourselves. That's our job. That's your one job for 2022. I'd like to thank you all in advance for the compliments I'll receive for this sermon of simplicity. Just go and do that one job all year. Thanks for being here. Well, okay, maybe I should say just a few more things by way of instruction on what our one job and how that's going to look as we go about our year. As we seek to love God with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our mind, and to love our neighbors ourselves, let's take a look at what that means. Let's break it down a little bit. Let's just start with the whole idea of loving God. I believe it's as simple as wanting to spend more time with God in every aspect of our life. So when I proposed to my wife, I was still in college, sophomore year of college. She was two hours away in Northern Virginia. I was in Harrisonburg, Virginia at James Madison University. So absence made the heart grow stronger for sure. But it got, the pattern we had was on the weekends. So I, my last class was at like at one o'clock on a Friday. So by 2.30, I could get in my car and I could be to her place where, where she lived with her parents in about two hours. And then by Sunday afternoon, you know, homework, you gotta get things ready for Monday so that we started with, okay, after church at 12.30, one o'clock, um, I'm off. I'm back to school, give myself enough time to study and everything else. And uh, that changed a little bit as time went on. First, I started maybe not going to class on that last class on Friday so I could leave more like 10 o'clock on Friday and be there by noon. And then on the other end of it, so instead of waiting till after church and then leaving, sometimes I'd wait till after dinner. And then that usually ended up towards the end of our engagement that I would skip Friday classes, leave Thursday night, and I would drive back to school on Tuesday morning in time to get there for my Tuesday classes. And, uh, but the whole point is that the more time we spent together, the more time we wanted to spend together. And the harder it was to deal with the idea of being separate from each other. You know, this past week we had an opportunity to take a little vacation and my wife and I went to Carmel for a week. And uh, we really honestly did it because all of our adult children were around for Christmas and Thanksgiving and we had great family celebrations, but we didn't get a lot of time just to ourselves. So we thoroughly enjoyed this past week of just being together and not having to worry about anybody else, not having to feed anybody else or prepare anything for everybody else, but we just focus on each other. And I really believe that's the way it is with God. If we seek to love him, it just means we seek to spend more and more time with him. And that time becomes more quality and more impactful on ourselves too. How about that first part of his job that he gives us, not just to love him, but to love him with our heart and our soul. What does it mean to love someone, an entity, a God, to be in a relationship where you're giving it your whole heart and soul? We use that phrase in many other parts of life. 
You know, if someone's super committed, then they're putting their heart and soul into it. Well, I think it's similar with our job at Children of Faith. I look at loving God with our heart and our soul as kind of the difference between being an owner of something and being a renter of something. If we're an owner, we are, we're all in. We're committed. There's no quit. There's no giving up. If something breaks or goes wrong, we're the ones that need to fix it. If we're renting, mm, not so much. Something breaks, something's not going well, you call the landlord. It's up to him to fix it. And if you don't really like the situation of where you're renting or where you're living, you, you, you move out. You find someplace new. But not if you're committed with your heart and soul. That's a commitment that we make to God, and it just becomes something that is a part of us as we breathe and as we live, that there is no other choice but to be committed and to attempt to love God with all of our heart and with all of our soul. There's no giving up in that. That third element of the job is to love God with all of our mind. Some people would say this is more of a volitional act, a decision, that we're not going to let things other than that of God fill our mind. And we kind of have our, our safeguards up. And, and I, would, I would buy that. I would agree with that. But for me, it's a little bit more visceral. And I think, for me, loving God with all of our mind is a little bit more like the Peloton bike commercial. You've seen them, right? There is this amazing mechanical bike with a video screen, and this person who's already in very good shape, by the way, is riding their heart out on this bike, and on the screen is this instructor. And he's encouraging, you can do this. There's only 84 miles left in your bike ride, uphill and sideways or whatever. But the person on the bike is like, I can do this. I can do this. I can't stop. I got to get it done. And I think as we seek to love God with all of our heart and all of our soul, when it comes to our mind, it just needs to be that decision that I can do it. And I have to do what I can but it's not dependent upon me to do it by myself because I got that coach right there that is encouraging me to not quit and helping me to believe that I can do, I can accomplish, I can get to where I'm trying to go. And you know, for us, we have those coaches. God promises us that he gives us his Holy Spirit as a coach, as a prompter, as a don't give up mentor. You could even put us your pastors, your teachers, in that role as well. As we seek to love God with all of our mind, it is a matter of commitment and it is a matter of will and a decision that nothing's going to keep me from doing what I desire to do this year, and that's love God with all of my heart, soul, and mind. There was a third element in our job that has to do with loving our neighbors as ourselves. Gets a little tougher with that one. Love your neighbor as yourselves. You know, I fully believe the determining factor on how well we will love others is how well we love God. Because as we love God with all of our heart, with all of our soul, and with all of our mind, he returns to us so much more than what they would give to him. But he also places within us that desire to love others well and to love others the way he loves us, and really the way we love ourselves. 
Loving your neighbors well could be something as simple as talking to the, the guy out in front of Safeway that maybe is on hard luck. Loving others well, could, your neighbor could be as easy as going over and helping that elderly couple that live across the street that always struggle to get their groceries in their house or to get their lawn mowed or to get their car serviced or whatever it is. It could be loving your neighbor means you need to start changing your attitude towards that guy at work that really bugs you. If we're going to love our neighbors or ourselves, there's a very simple principle to start with. We have to be nice to each other. And not fake, not patronizing, but really just make a decision that I'm going to try to be nice to other people. Bob Goff wrote a book called Everybody Always. And early on in his book, he says, well, if you're going to attempt to love everybody, you might as well start with the people that you don't like. And that is so true, because if we could get to a point that we believe our one job for the year includes loving our neighbor as Jesus loves us, with understanding and compassion and encouragement and never giving up on us, it changes the way we look at the world, the way we look at others, and it gives us an opportunity to treat people the way Jesus treats us. When we have an opportunity to help change someone's life for the better, and we act on it. Sometimes it's a simple gesture. And then every once in a while, we get opportunities to love our neighbor in a way that really costs us something. A couple of weeks ago before the holidays, our last rock meeting, which is our high school group, we had all of our students that are going to go to Mexico with us this spring to help build houses for those in need. And I used this same verse to encourage them as we ended our meeting. And I told them a story, a true story, about um, someone who had a house built for them when they were 12 years old. And Amore Ministries is the group that we go with. Some of you may know that, but just by way of introduction, they're they, based in San Diego, and they, they find the families that are most in need in the Tijuana greater area, and they build houses for them with labor that we provide and the materials that we purchase to do that. And some group built a house for a 12-year-old girl, and that house that was provided for that young woman enabled her to go to school and eventually to continue her life in a very successful way. So fast forward about 30 years and there's a, a big shortage of cement in the Tijuana area and it greatly impacted the ability of more Ministries to build houses because we use concrete for the slab and the stucco and everything. And they put a plea out by way of a letter to the communities around Tijuana and Tecate that if anyone could help with donations to help buy cement or companies that make cement, if they could give us a discount or anything like that. And, and they got a reply from that plea by the mayor of Tecate. And it was a woman, and she included her name, and she said, I want to tell you a story. When I was 12, someone built me a house. And as a product of that, I was able to finish elementary school and high school, and I had an opportunity to go to the United States to go to college. And I did that. And my, my college career was successful and I was able to come back to Mexico and try to serve my community in politics. And I wound up being honored to be the mayor of Tecate. So I wanna thank you for building me that house. And I want you to know that all the cement that you need 
for the next two months will be donated by the city of Tecate. That act of love that a group of people did for that woman in building her a house changed her life, which enabled her to change other people's lives. Guys, if we do our one job well, it not only will change the lives of others, it'll change our lives. It'll impact the way our whole year is gonna go. Our one job is to love God with all of our heart, and all of our soul, and all of our mind, and to love our neighbors ourself. How will you do this year at your one job? If you want to get a laugh, get on your computer and Google, you had one job. It's going to come up with a whole bunch of computer memes and pictures and phrases of people, even though they only had one job, they still messed it up big time. They made it more complicated than it was. There's pictures of a two-lane road, and the left-hand lane has an arrow that says left turn only, and it's painting and pointing in the right direction. There's another picture of a stop sign that is spelled S-O-P-T. There's another sign that says, please slow drively. You know, they just had that one job. There's a couple pictures from supermarkets where the produce is labeled and there's a big package of corn and the label says watermelon, $2.12 a pound. Even though we have just one job, it can be challenging and we're going to have mistakes no matter how hard we try. I love this picture of a house that looks like it had just recently been refurbished and it had a front door and a window, simple little house, and then it had a set of stairs leading to the window and nothing leading to the door. What were they thinking? I'm sure they were trying their best. Sometimes even one job can be full of problems and mistakes. The good news is that's where grace and mercy come in. Even our best efforts won't be enough this year as we attempt that one job journey. God says, I'm in it with you and I love you so much and I'll love you better than you'll ever be able to love me. And I'll love you more thoroughly than you'll ever be able to love me. But I still want you to try. We have one job. Let's trust grace and mercy, but let's try our best. Amen.